0: or tweet me at Jim Cramer. Good news matters in this market. Bad news, not so much. There's simply not enough stock to go around to sate the buyers. So the positives get magnified and the negatives end up getting ignored. And that's something that happened again today. You know the Dow dipped 13 points, S&P advanced 0.17%, NASDAQ gained 0.29%, nice move. First, let's understand this market is largely driven not by stock pickers, but by index funds, and that index fund money comes in automatically every day over the transom. Billions of dollars placed in equities will move equities higher. Why does this send stocks up so much? For starters, it's one directional. Index orders don't come out, don't come in to take money out of the market. That money tends not to be traded, so it soaks up supply quite easily. Remember, in the end, like any other market, the stock market is a function of supply and demand. Before the index phenomenon, for instance, it didn't exist in the 80s and 90s. Before the index phenomenon, mutual funds and hedge funds would always be selling as well as buying. They still do. But the amount of index money coming in, chiefly for retirement, far outweighs the amounts that are traded. It overwhelms them. And don't get me wrong, index funds are the right choice for you. If you're putting your money away for retirement, you shouldn't try to trade it. Steadily investing in index funds month after month is a good strategy. I know for IRAs, yeah, it would be great to pick stocks, but I'm just saying, in general, I like index funds. The, money, the impact of that money in, as we call it, has been a major prop to the bull. Because in terms of asset classes, stocks are pretty much the only game in town right now. Look, there, was all, all we, there were many times in my career when it would have been silly to own way more stocks than bonds, particularly as you got older. If a 10-year treasury was paying you 5%, 7%, stocks would lose their allure versus fixed income. But at less than 2.5% for the 10-year, bonds just aren't very attractive versus stocks, particularly stocks, by the way, that pay good dividends. Of course, there's more to it than that. Remember, we also have a stock shortage. There are about half the number of publicly traded companies that there were when I ran my hedge fund 17 years ago. That means the new money keeps funneling into fewer and fewer companies. So those ones go higher. Plus, the stocks that are going up tend to be boosted by buybacks. There's an extraordinary amount of stock being crunched or retired by the major old line companies out there, some of it is to grow the earnings per share by shrinking the denominator, the number of shares. When you do that, not only do the earnings get higher, but the price to earnings multiple, the main way we value stocks, that's the apples to apples way, goes lower. That's usually positive, and here's why. Given that many companies have a ton of cash on the balance sheet and they'll be getting more cash under the new tax code, You may need to rethink whether this market is really as expensive as it seems. If companies keep retiring stock, then the market's valuation will go down or be cheaper and the supply of stock will shrink. And you know what? That's a virtuous, bullish cycle. And yes, it does call into question whether stocks are really as dangerous as many think. When you throw in the fact that there are far fewer companies coming public, something that would increase supply, and there are almost no companies doing secondary offerings, which would also increase supply, you can see how there simply isn't enough stock to go around. Wow, more money chasing fewer goods. I always find it amazing when I look at the number of shares big capitalization stocks have retired or shrunk. Let's take two of the best companies on earth, and we all know them, household names, Walmart and 3M. In 2014, Walmart had 3.4 billion shares outstanding. Now it has just 2, $2.96 billion. Think about how much that's come down. 3M back then, it had 649 million shares. Now it has 596 million shares. Those incredible shrinking numbers, and they are incredible, coupled with the money coming in automatically means that these stocks have a natural bid or put underneath, meaning there are usually going to be more buyers than sellers. Put it all together. And you've got a natural recipe for higher stock prices. Of course, the stock shortage and the new money coming in aren't the only things that are pushing this market higher. There are other props. A lot of our recent gains can be attributed to the new tax code. For example, and this is a great example, Caterpillar hit an all-time high today on a recommendation from a major broker's house. Now it's up 100 points when we first thought it was interesting. The gist, the new depreciation rules in the tax code make it far more advantageous advantageous for companies to buy equipment. So that's really going to bolster cat sales. They sell the heavy equipment. That's all about tax reform, something few money managers believe would happen until it was already upon us. It wasn't calculated into the earnings. It wasn't baked in. Each day we get upgrades like this. You know what? We got a price target increase today for United Technologies. Same story. More favorable depreciation rules, lower corporate tax rates, a stock shortage, and a positive piece of research produce a nice move up. Plus, I think we'll start hearing a lot of of, of chatter about the benefits of the weak dollar once earnings season gets started on Friday. Now, there's something else going on here, too, that we must talk about. Caterpillar United Technologies are the kind of industrials that benefit from a strong economy. So with this highly unusual period of simultaneous worldwide acceleration, money managers are jumping all over themselves to get exposure to stocks like this. Funny thing, though. There simply aren't enough of this kind of stock to go around. Not only do we have a general stock shortage, we have a very specific shortage of the manufacturing cyclicals that are most in demand right now. These smokestack companies are always either buying back their stock or gobbling up other businesses in their own industries, exacerbating that stock shortage. Finally. There's the simple recognition that some companies are doing very well, much better than we thought, while other companies are being reevaluated as businesses that deserve a higher valuation because of what they're making, what they do. Cases in point, just look at Tesla and NVIDIA. Last week, Tesla, the auto company, reported very disappointing earnings. Very disappointing. I mean, not even within the ballpark. Yet now its stock is up more than 20 points from where it allegedly blew up. Is that amazing i find it incredible in the old days tesla instead of being up 20 points would be down 20 points but this market is starting to value tesla like a tech stock i understand it when a tech company has a hot new product okay a sizzling product but can't produce it in volume this year investors will give it a pass because they figure it'll make up that volume next year so when tesla can't produce enough model threes this year These tech-seeking investors give it a pass. Hey, they'll sell the cars next year. Look, I am not saying that you should give Tesla a free pass. But that's obviously what the people who trade the stock are doing, given how much it's up after those miserable numbers. CEO Elon Musk is Teflon. Teflon, Elon. Nothing bad sticks to this guy. NVIDIA is a different kind of story. All last week, well, frankly, all last year, I was pounding the table on this one, but last week I was really pushing it. Why? Because I thought that CEO Jensen Wong would no doubt announce some big news as the kickoff speaker Sunday on this, on, at the CS conference. I even used my game plan to say it's going to start like this. That's that big tech festival. I said he wouldn't come empty-handed. Yet, despite his amazing track record, given the way the stock traded, no one seemed to believe me. Sure enough, last night, Wang announced two huge deals to use NVIDIA's revolutionary chips, Uber and Volkswagen, the biggest taxi company on Earth and the second biggest automaker on Earth. Though some people think that it's been the biggest and passes Toyota periodically. They'll use these chips to build autonomous cars, not in the distant future, but within a few short years. It was a breathtaking union, but I think somewhat totally predictable if you watch the show, given that I predicted it would wow the audience. That's how NVIDIA could rally another six points today to another all-time high, and it was up eight before the market kind of sold off. Here's the bottom line. Stock shortages, index funds that own don't trade, lower valuations than you think, and negative news viewed as positive or shocking news that could have been guessed at have all combined to levitate stocks. Remember, I'm not saying you should buy these stocks because they're rallying. I'm simply trying to explain what keeps driving the market higher. And it's something that's not going away. If anything... It seems to be accelerating. Let's go to Linda in Florida, please. Linda.
1: Hi, Kramer.
0: Happy New Year. Oh, same to you, Linda. What's happening? Uh,
1: I am a long-term investor of DPR properties. I love the big monthly dividends the stock pays. However, now it's down to where I first purchased the stock. Um, wondering, is the stock's long-term outlook stable? Should I buy more now? I think it's stable. Wait. This is
0: about the megaplex theaters. And a lot of belief that the megaplex theaters and theaters in general are not doing well. When you redo a theater in a fashion that makes it so that it's much more fun and you can have dinner and stuff, it does very well. So I think EPR properties is being misunderstood. They should come back on the show. Yield 6.5%. But remember, a lot of the real estate investment trusts are trading down. How about Isaac in my home state of Pennsylvania? Isaac. Yeah, hi Jim. Uh, Go Eagles. Go Eagles and stop dumping on Foles. I bet he surprises to the upside. I'm taking my numbers up, Foles. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay,
1: I have a question on two recreational stocks. One is Norwegian Cruise Lines. That whole industry is not moving, as well as Thor Industries, another great stock that's just not budging at all these last few weeks. What do you suppose the reason is?
0: Well, uh, you know, the big years last year, uh, uh, the stocks that have the biggest years are kind of settling in and biding time. That's why NVIDIA had such a big move today. No one thought it would happen because, well, it's like been happening. So I say stay the course. Let's go to David in New Jersey, please, David. Jimmy, hi. My question is about Arconic, A-R-N-C. Where do you see it going from here? Well, my travel trust owns it. We're going to talk about it on the Wednesday club call. I think Arconic's doing a lot of things that are cutting down costs. That's why the stocks just had a monster move. We're not selling a share and telling people that it's still a good situation because they are taking care of some of their pension problems. How about Joe in Louisiana? Joe! Booyah, Professor Kramer. Sweet. What's up? My stock is rig, transocean. It was traded below $10 dollars in a range, and it's broken out now. And I'm almost back even dollar cost averaging. I want to know if you think it's going to go higher. I think oil's going higher in general. I think the Aramco deal is going to matter. But you know what? The stock that Stephanie Link, one halftime, and I both agree is just a horse is Schlumberger. Up another buck 20 today and up 13 straight points. I talked about it last week as a stock that would have been down in a bad market. But this is too good a market to hold a stock like Schlumberger, high quality down. What do you get? When there's a stock shortage and bad news is viewed positively, you get a beast mode market. And I don't think it's going to end yet. Man Money Tonight, a biotech with a life changing test. It just reported great numbers, but Exact Science's stock is still down more than 10% today. Quizzical or buying opportunity? Then, what marijuana, micron, and cryptocurrencies all have in common, I'll reveal just ahead. And Alchemies has been saying great things, but the bears. They are just attacking this thing. Can it make its way out of the doghouse? I'm talking to the CEO. So stick with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: How do you know when a turbocharged growth stock is losing or has lost its momentum? Consider the case of Exact Sciences. That's E-X-A-S. It's the company behind ColorGuard. And that's the non-invasive way to screen for colon cancer by taking a stool sample rather than doing one of those full-blown colonoscopies. I've been a fan of this story for a long time, as colon cancer is the most preventable form of this horrible disease. Yet in many cases, it doesn't get caught or doesn't get caught early enough because a colonoscopy is really unpleasant. Now, thanks to the strength of this test, Exact Sciences gave us a monster 293% gain last year. Over the weekend, the company just pre-announced what I thought were some pretty stellar numbers for the fourth quarter. So you'd think the stock would be roaring today. Yet instead, it got poleaxed. It went down 13.25%. The reason, well, I don't know. You know. Even though the numbers were excellent, maybe investors have gotten so used to seeing absolutely stunning, unbelievable results here that there was just no way for these guys to keep up with expectations. I don't know myself. So let's find out if this is a viable pullback. Companies presenting at this week's big JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. So let's find out by talking to Kevin Conroy. He's the chairman and CEO of Exact Sciences. Get a better sense of how the company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Conroy, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Hey Jim, it's great to be on your show. Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely, Kevin. Now, from what I can tell from the numbers you released yesterday, the trajectory here of people using your product has even, I would say, accelerated. Would you think that's a fair description?
2: Well, yeah. If you take a look at this point last year at the JP Morgan conference, consensus estimates for ColaGuard were 160 million for 2017, and the team delivered 266 million in revenue, and more importantly, 571,000 people screened with this new, innovative ColoGuard test, a totally different way to screen for colon cancer. So we're proud of the year and uh, really excited about the future.
0: Okay, so obviously we then have to dig down and say, well, hold it, have people been spoiled by unbelievable performance? Or maybe there's some changes in coverage, Medicare, major uh, managed care insurers that are negative? Is, did something happen in the last few weeks?
2: No, nothing at all except positive news. You know, we reported a record quarter of uh, 176,000 people screened, which was slightly above uh, the midpoint of the guidance that we gave. And you know, those are people getting screened, and that, all of the news throughout 2017 was positive. Our margins were growing, our top line was growing, uh, and you know, we're really firing on all cylinders, so heading into 2018, it's with a great deal of confidence.
0: Okay, so let's go over uh, what is beyond 2018. What are your next tests that you could do within the same framework? And you know, I saw you opening a uh, significant expansion of your laboratory and corporate facility in Madison. Maybe that's to handle the current traffic, but what do you got in that pipeline?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, that investment in the facilities is critical. So not only are we investing in the growth of ColoGuard, but we're investing in the total supply chain and our ability to deliver what we think will be millions of tests. And by 2019, our capacity will be four and a half million. And that's important, Jim, because there are 85 million Americans in the U.S. in the screening population. We will be approaching our millionth person screened with ColoGuard in the r- near term. We've had over 900,000 people screened today. So it's important for us as a company to make sure that we are totally prepared for the growth that we expect to come. We're only about 2.5% penetrated at this point in time.
0: Well, a bit at the same time, I mean, I'm hopeful that you've got, maybe you can detect some uh, gastrointestinal or digestive cancers. It's not as easy, I think, once you, if you know them early enough to solve them. But you know what? People don't want to get tested. Yeah. They think that it is just, first of all, they don't even want the news. But second, they don't want to go to the doctor and do it, it's time consuming, it, it, just like what you saw with, with the colonoscopy. We would love to know what else you can do with your kind of test.
2: Yeah. Well, so the Cologuard technology is really a breakthrough technology that powers this pretty incredible test and now we're working on a test for lung cancer and a test for liver cancer, and we're in a unique position to do it because of this technology, but also because of our nine-year partnership with the Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic has been an amazing partner in this endeavor, and we want to address the top 10 cancers, not just colon cancer, which is the number two cancer killer, but also these other cancers, because as you know, Jim, it's all about early detection. People who are diagnosed with early uh, cancer have much better results. Just recently, uh, we were able to to, to meet one of our customers from Georgia, and and she and her husband came to Madison. She was diagnosed with stage one colon cancer. She had surgery, and two weeks later she was at work. No chemotherapy, no radiation therapy. She was healthy, and, and she felt healthy when she got the ColoGuard test. Detecting cancer early is key, and that's why we're partnering
0: with the Mayo Clinic. All right, one last question. I see your ads. Do, uh, how do they work? Do uh, the ads then transfer to doctors, yep. and, and like my doctor says, yes, absolutely, this is a great test?
2: Yeah, you know, with, with 85 million Americans, ColoGuard is a consumer product, and so we're advertising on CNBC. I'm sure you do see the ads. And those ads are aimed at educating people about the test. And it's driving about 850 new ordering physicians every week. Nine out of ten of those physicians our sales force hasn't called on yet. So we know that those television commercials are doing a great job of educating patients and also physicians. And we're going to keep going with that.
0: Well, terrific. Look, you know I want this thing to be taken by everybody. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And that is Kevin Conroy, Chairman and CEO of Exact Sciences, coming from J.P. Morgan Healthcare. Thank you so much to Kevin. Look, the stock is down a lot. I know there are a lot of people who are on the fence about it. If it comes in more, I don't know, what a great performer. And we've liked it the whole way. Man, money's back after the break. Is a lot of things to a lot of people. And for me, it's a way to get some excellent, and I mean it, not being cynical, excellent feedback about what passionate speculators care about. They either want my blessing for the gambles that they'll take, or they want to curse me out for not endorsing their views. But they do it pretty politely. I bring this up because right now, the speculators are pressing me on three major issues. Marijuana, cryptocurrencies, and the stock of Micron, symbol MU. Let me say at the outset that I never want to simply dismiss the tweeters out of hand, even if I disagree with them. I am a huge believer in the legitimacy of speculation, as long as you know you're speculating. I can't tell if people are such voluminous posters on these three because they know I won't dismiss them, meaning call them Sparky or Bud or Chief, or because they hate that I don't endorse their views. But to put it simply, I think the vast majority of people who are trying to get exposure to marijuana or some Bitcoin blockchain derivative or the stock of Micron itself just don't know that they are speculating. They seem to think they're making a normal investment, and I think that's a mistake. Let's start with cryptocurrencies. Look, I believe they're for real. I don't see them going away anytime soon. However, that doesn't make them a sound investment. I'm not crazy about any of the different ways to speculate on cryptocurrencies, whether we're talking about derivatives that only don't sync with the value of the thing they actually represent, or tangential equities like an overstock, which is moving up. I see that. Or a Square or AMD or NVIDIA. But look, I'll change my mind and become more positive the moment I see the cryptocurrencies are being treated like de facto currencies, a la gold. And that could potentially happen if Goldman Sachs makes a solid two-way hedging market in a cryptocurrency uh, of some derivative. Uh, Maybe Bitcoin, but the others. Although even then, I still think you have to be careful. But I understand that Goldman is trying to put together a hedge desk. How about marijuana? Okay, to be blunt, this whole trade just got really difficult. Because we don't know what Attorney General Jeff Sessions intends to do now that he's shown the desire to press for federal charges for those involved in the marijuana nexus and it's going to make credit impossible to get. Remember, whatever the states do, it's still illegal on a federal level. Sessions immediately ruined some parts of this market by making the use of credit cards off limits. If you want to buy pot, you need to use cash like the good old days. Presumably, he's actually going to go after people for crossing state lines with the stuff from St. Colorado to Kansas, which has always been a felony. But the Obama administration chose not to prosecute people or look the other way. I think Sessions has crushed the domestic marijuana market, but there's nothing he can do about Canada, which will soon embrace recreational use nationwide. That's a small market, though. And as far as I'm concerned, there's way too much speculation in the sector already. How about Micron? Now, I think this has real potential, but this one's become a major hot button for me simply because I said you need to be careful with it and suggested I prefer owning NVIDIA or Broadcom. All I did was say be careful. The bull case. Micron stock sells for less than five times earnings. To me, though, that's exhibit A for the bears. Because when Micron has sold that cheaply in the past, it usually means that the company won't be able to meet its earnings estimates. I'm cautious on this one because Micron makes two kinds of chips, Flash and DRAM. Both are commodities. Flash pricing peaked several months ago. DRAMs, I think, could peak this year because of new factory supply. If that's the case, the Micron will fall short of the estimates and turn to be an expensive stock. Now, it's entirely possible that demand will accelerate for both flash and DRAM. That's possible, though uh, there's a lot of new supply coming online from South Korea. I suspect the bulls believe that these kinds of chips are more proprietary than they really are. And they're not as dangerous as I think they are. Here's the truth. I've seen the stock collapse three separate times in my life, and the circumstances are almost identical to those we're seeing right now. More supply coming on after a big run in price for DRAMs that people didn't see coming. The difference? This time, Micron does have a second product line, Flash. But as I mentioned, Flash has peaked. And once commodities peak, they tend to stay down for ages. Clever speculation always makes sense to me. I'm probably the only person on TV who agrees with that. But a recognition that you're speculating. Not investing would make me a whole lot better about how I feel about anyone making these choices. Everyone focuses on the rewards from these kinds of stories, but you'll never get anywhere unless you start taking the risk as seriously as the rewards. That's right. Calculate the risk. How much you can lose, not just how much you can win. Anthony in Florida. Anthony. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Go Eagles this weekend, baby. Oh, my. I, I love the fact that we're underdogs and people write, write us off. You know, that's exactly how you come in jacked. What's up? <laughs> uh, I'm calling to talk about some, uh, some Ripple, XRP. Yeah, you know, uh, gonna... um, it's really interesting to say this, this because I talked about I mentioned it this morning on Squawk on the Street, and I'm working with some people at thestreet.com about trying to know more about Ripple. I'm not the expert, and I don't claim to be. So there are other people who know more, and I don't think I have the call to ask about Ripple, but I really appreciate that you, th- that you went there. Ron in Tennessee. Ron.
2: Hey, yes. How you doing, Jim?
0: I'm right, good. How about you?
2: I'm doing great. Listen, I have a question about CyberArk software. Yeah. Actually too. Uh,
0: go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well you get the decent financials. Why does Cyber keep slipping after announcing earnings? And the other thing is uh, do you think they're a
2: candidate for a merger?
0: I think they're candidate for merger, but the quarter was not. last quarter was just okay, and that's why it went down versus Palo Alto. I mean great quarter. So that's the difference there. Okay. The speculators oppressed me on marijuana, which I believe in, but sessions hurt the US story. They're pressing me on cryptocurrencies. You just heard that I don't feel like I'm going to pine on Ripple, but I do think that these things have a lot of risk. And Micron, if you recognize that you are speculating, then I'm going to feel a lot better. That's fine. It's not gospel, and it's not investing. Now, there's much more, except for Micron, where you're making somewhat of investing then. There's much more mad money at. Alchemy's has a drug at the center of the war against opioid addiction. Why isn't it being endorsed nationally? I'm speaking with the CEO from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference to find out more about the fight. Then, does your portfolio have what it takes to succeed in this market? I'm going to be the judge of that when I play M.I. Diversify. And all your calls, rapid fire. Tonight's just the Lightning Rap. Stick with Graham.
1: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post Nine at the NYSE.
0: And David back. Just yes, really, you yes, know, David, he's not as sceptical as I thought. Give me time. Okay, give me me time. time. We got to go. I can't talk anymore.
1: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
0: How long does it take for a once-beloved company to get out of the doghouse after really brutal slacking? Take the stock of Alchemies, ALKS, the drug delivery technology company that also has its own proprietary medications for mental illness, addiction, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and multiple sclerosis. Two years ago, we learned that a depression drug Alchemist was working on had failed to meet the primary endpoint of its clinical trial. Stock got annihilated. It lost 44% in a single day. Since then, Alchemies has been gradually working its way higher. But its stock is still stuck in the low 50s, roughly 25 bucks below where it was trading before everything kind of got dinged at the beginning of 2016. Maybe that changes this year, though. The company has several major catalysts ahead, including the same depression drug coming up for a fresh review. They've got two more drugs in phase three trials, one for schizophrenia and one for multiple sclerosis. Plus, the company has two drugs already on the market, Vivitrol for recovering addicts and Aristata. That's a long-acting antipsychotic compound for people with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. They're posting solid sales. And just this morning, CEO Richard Pops tweeted that 2018 could be a transformative year. We know the company's presenting tomorrow at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. Maybe we can get a little preview. So let's get a closer look with Richard Pops, the chairman and CEO of Alchemies. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Pops, welcome back to Man Money.
3: Good to be with you jim
0: all right richard you did something bold today and i know you don't do things bold unless you can back it up you said that 2018 would be a transformative year of milestones please elaborate
3: well you know how it is in biotech it takes many years to make a drug sometimes 10 years and a billion dollars and some years you're just doing the work and no no one's paying attention and then some years you reveal the data And 2018 for us is one of those years where we literally have transformative milestones on each of our major programs, including our, our in-market products that you mentioned, Vivitrol and Aristada, as well as our depression drug, our schizophrenia drug, and our MS drug.
0: Okay, uh, your, let's say your smile is beginning a level of confidence that I want to have. Because I believe, as you know, if for many years with Alchemist, when the stock was in the 20s, should I get, uh, let's say, uh, rationally exuberant? Because you probably know how things look in those different products.
3: I do. And really? you know I've done this for enough years, Jim. In biotech, you just always have to be careful because things tend to take longer and are harder than you originally think. In our case, our business is so diversified. We work in so many different areas, and we have so many different medicines at different stages that there's usually something positive that's about to, to, to occur. 18 is, is one of those years. For both Vivitrol and Aristotle that you've followed for years, it's gratifying to see how those medicines are beginning to have a real impact on patients' lives. Where well, I think we're making a big impact in addiction now, finally, after all these years. And our work in, in schizophrenia couldn't come at a more important time for the whole public health as that disease continues to cost the system millions and billions of dollars and patients are still suffering.
0: All right, let's start with opioid. Uh, a lot of us cannot believe, cannot believe that Vivitrol isn't the standard of care, particularly for uh, the possible recidivist population coming out of prisons. What is, what is the roadblock to having something that could, that could really slow down or even stop opioid addiction, which you know is a raging epidemic?
3: Well, look at the numbers on Vivitrol. Vivitrol is growing beautifully. After a many years, slow start, it's building into becoming one of the more important medicines for the treatment of this condition. Interestingly, Jim, Vivitrol is indicated for something different than other medicines. There's only three FDA-approved medicines for treatment opioid dependence. Vivitrol is indicated to prevent relapse to opioid dependence. It's for those patients who want to no longer be physically dependent on an opioid. And for many years, that was viewed as the outlier. Who would want to do that? But now, with more and more data, and just last quarter, there was a major government study that was published that showed the efficacy of Vivitrol compared to these existing medicines and showing how well patients do on it over time. So I think the best days for Vivitrol are still ahead of
0: it. Well, I sure hope so, because I believed in this drug for a long time and do not understand why it isn't a mandate for our country. Let's talk schizophrenia and bipolar, historically very hard to address. Drugs in the market have historically, let's say, uh, gained so many people gain so much weight that they literally would rather care about how they look than how their brain is doing. What is different about yours and how do we get people to stay on them and not go off the meds?
3: Well, here's a perfect example of where efficacy of a medicine is only one part of the story, because as you said, if you have an efficacious medicine, but somebody gains 50, 60, 70 pounds on that medicine, they're not gonna take it. And when a schizophrenic patient doesn't take their medicine, what happens? They relapse, and they end up in the hospital, and their disease progresses. So our medicine, 3831, is in phase three, which is the final stage of testing. We've completed one of its pivotal studies successfully last summer, and the second pivotal study is due uh, in the third quarter of this year. And that study, we're looking at the weight gain associated with use of our drug compared to the comparator, the the drug that causes a lot of weight gain called olanzapine. And so far, the data to date have shown that we've attenuated or blocked that weight gain associated with that medicine, which is considered to be one of the most efficacious of the antipsychotics. So another one of these examples in 2018, where we'll turn over the cards that show the final clinical data that prove or, or disprove the efficacy of 3831 for patients with schizophrenia.
0: Wow. Oh, look, I got to tell you, you know, this is an area I know this would be uh, unbelievable if you can do it. And it would make people really want to buy the stock far higher prices than they are. Richard Pops, thank you for giving us that preview of what you're going to talk about at the big conference. That's Alchemy's Richard Pops, chairman and CEO. He is very positive, which makes me want to be very positive. Man, money's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skate. Got it. It is time for the lightning round. Let's start with Sandy, Michigan. Sandy. Booyah, Jim. How are you? Booyah. (laughs) Happy New Year to you. And thanks for everything that you do. You and your staff. My question is about NTR Nutrient. They well look if you're gonna go for go, if you're gonna go anything and... ag anything ag I am gonna send you to Deer D E. That's just my go-to stock. I'm not changing. I need to go to Eddie in Pennsylvania. Eddie!
1: Eddie, this is this is Eddie Call from the
0: Mushroom Capital of the World, Temple PA. You bet it is. What's up? Uh, I recently filled up my Roth IRA this year for 2018. And I'd like to get more analog devices. What do you think? And I don't people? blame you. ADI made that transformational merger. I want them back on the show. Those guys are great guys. We need to go to Paul in Pennsylvania. Paul.
1: Hey Jim, how you doing? I couldn't be first doing time? better. I like
0: a Philadelphia accent better than I like anything else. What's going on?
1: Ah, well I'm a first time caller and longtime viewer. Thank you. And booyah to you,
0: Jim. It's well-deserved. Well, deserved. Whoa, thank you so much. I'm all fired up, Paul. What's up?
1: Okay, my stock is Mercado Libre, the uh, eBay of Latin America. And it's a ticker symbol, M-E-L-I. And the thing I'm puzzled about is it's supposed to have about 40% growth in earnings this year, and yet it kind of has bearish. Uh, tendencies about it. Could you tell me about it?
0: Well, you know what? I think it may have bearish tendencies, but it's a bullish stock and it's one of the few from Latin America that I like. I think it's actually even better than eBay was. I think it's got better growth. I really like it and I have since 1999. Let's go to Anthony in Michigan. Anthony. Booyah. Booyah. Yeah, thank you for helping Main Street. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm interested in knowing about uh, Seattle genetics. You know, Seattle genetics is trading with you all the biotechs, and it shouldn't. It's got a lot of stuff in the pipeline, but let's accept the fact that the biotechs, as I said on Scott Wapner's halftime show, just right now are in some sort of bearish phase. These always end. Karen in California. Karen. Hi, Jim. Karen. I'm from Huntington Beach,
1: shipping you some warmer weather. Oh,
0: I need it so bad. What's going on?
1: Is um, Abvi a value price stock now?
2: And if so, what potential do you AbbVie foresee? AbbVie
0: is just fabulous. Thank you, Stephanie Link, for first informing me about Abvi. She was on halftime with me. I think it can still go higher, ah, even my my though my it's God. been a monster. How about we go to William in Connecticut, William? How you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. How about you? Good, thanks. Uh, what I'm calling about is in 2011... You were talking on the show about Paradigm, semiconductor, uh, symbol T-E-R. It was $7.26. The next day, I went down and bought it at my uh, broker there, and I bought a lot of shares, too. And it's $55 in change today. It closed. Unbelievable return. It's like 490% return. I don't take it off the table, you say do it, I didn't do it, I, I, I just don't do it. Well, all right, let's do this. First of all, thank you. Second, take your cost basis out. Third, let the rest run. It's a great company, and I put it right in the category, by the way, with Lamb Research. Well played, well done. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark.
1: Uh,
0: Jim, I've got an LP for you. Antero Midstream. I was wondering what your thoughts were. Well, I think Antero Midstream is very good. Now, it is true. And I'm going to talk about Magellan Midstream Partners, MMP, when I do my conference call Wednesday for the club. But I've got to tell you, Antero is a very, very good company. One more. Let's go to Ron in Texas.
1: Ron. Hey, Ski Daddy. Yo, yo. My stock. My stock. It's had trouble breaking through this 50-day average for a long time until last week. What do you see platform specialty? Don't going like for? platform
0: specialty. Why? Because I think that that, that Dow DuPont, which is being run by Ed Breen, is a much better company. That's the one I recommend in the sector, not Platform. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
0: Okay, it's a new year, so what better time to reassess your portfolio to make sure it's still in good standing and to set yourself up for the year ahead? Now, I know we're smack dab in the middle of a beast mode market, but yes, we're still playing MI diversified, probably more than ever because so many people are narrow. That's, it's, having a well-diversified portfolio is one of, if not the most important, concepts to invest by, no matter how great the market looks, even though I know we've got all these records. So let's get to work. This is the part of the show where you give me a call, or you can tweet me. Tell me your top five holdings. I'll let you know if your portfolio is diversified enough. Maybe you, I gotta blow the whistle. So let's start with a tweet from Lynn C. Johnston. How rare someone's actual name? Who says, Jim? I'm invested in Apple, Camping World, Lockheed Martin, Visa, and United Health. Hashtag mi diversified. Can I just say that this is one dynamite portfolio? This is the kind of portfolio I love. See, we got Apple. Own it, don't trade it. And believe me, they've done more about mental health issues than almost any other company. I thought that was a cheap shot, but there's always good to have focus on it. Uh, Camping World, okay, that is a terrific company. We know the company from uh, CNBC. They are absolutely in the millennial seat. Sleet, sweet spot, Lockheed Martin, great defense. Net Health, probably my favorite. Healthcare, uh, not, really maybe the best healthcare story out there, given the fact it was down today. Visa, FinTech, FinTech, healthcare, defense. Uh, it, Experiential and tech—that is so great! I, all of us should ask what else, what Lynn likes next. Let's go to Jack in Connecticut. Jack, hey Jim, booyah from Fairfield County. Oh How are man, you? nice. What's up? Hey, I'm starting a portfolio with my 22-year-old daughter. She's okay. already started the Roth IRA, invested in an ETF, and has started to pay back the college loans. People, listen we- up! This is what you have to do. What Jack just described. Let's go to work, Jack. All right. So what we want to do is incorporate uh, five stocks or, or companies that can benefit maybe from the tax law changes. Sure. Take into, a, take into account some medical recreational uh, cannabis play possibly, and maybe that blitz on cryptocurrency. So my five okay. stocks, how are we diversified, are Alibaba, online retail, Raytheon, Goldman Sachs for that crypto play, Scott's miracle Grow for the cannabis play, and Boeing. What do you think, Jim? Wow. Sheesh, you know, I was doing a piece for uh, my Wednesday conference called Action Alerts, really talking about the idea of why to own Goldman. Uh, you've got it, Goldman Finance, and yes, they're going to have a cryptocurrency desk. Scott's Miracle, later on even in the show, I think we'll talk about that. Scott's Miracle Grow, yes, they've got hydroponic inside. You can um, you can use it to grow some marijuana plants. It is legal in Oregon and Colorado to do that. Raytheon is defense. Boeing is, I'm going to call it commercial aerospace. And Alibaba is the only Chinese stock I'm recommending other than Baidu. We've got an online Amazon for China. We've got aerospace. We've got defense. These do not overlap. We have a terrific company that does well, regardless of marijuana, but special. Goldman, I think, is an undervalued play that does great trading and hedging, including, I think, cryptocurrencies coming up. Donna in North Carolina. Donna. Hi, Jim. Donna. I so enjoy your show. Oh, thank you, Donna. I can remember when you recommended Boeing. At $70 a share. Well, you know, I was very – everyone knows that I thought Jim McNerney was unbelievable, and that turned out to pay off. Thank you so much for remembering. Oh, it was great. Thank you. Uh, Here are my 27-year-old son's Roth IRA stocks. How great is this? Go ahead. That he began – he purchased at my recommendation beginning in 2013. Excellent. AT&T, ExxonMobil, Costco, Pfizer – and ACOM. Wow. Eclectic and good. That's all I can say. Infrastructure. Retail. what well, the best retail play there is. Good-yielding drug stock. Good-yielding telco. Good-yielding oil. Oil. Remember, because dividends, compound. Uh, oil, telco, drug, retail, infra. Fantastic. Let's do one more. Let's go to Andrew Missouri. Big Mo. Andrew.
2: Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Second time caller. I called you-, you last year about Duluth Trading Company. Fantastic. It was hot then, but you know. Yeah. Call from Clinton, Missouri today. Want to know about my IRA Roth. Okay. Am I diversified? 30 years to retirement. Disney, Prologis, Abbott Laboratories, PayPal, and Dell DuPont.
1: Del DuPont.
0: All right. PayPal. Dan Schulman. We just talked about it last week. It's a miracle stock. It's not going down. Abbott Labs. The owner from a child trust. Actionalertsplus.com club. Really terrific. Miles White. Oh, there's another action alert. Now, I'm going to talk about this in our 1130 conference call Wednesday. I think Ed Breen's just about to break it up. Uh, Stephanie Link great comments about people got bored. Don't be bored with it. We've had Prologis on. It's logistics. It's terrific. And Disney's Primo Entertainment Company is a buy. We got we have entertainment. We got drug. We got fintech. We've got uh, logistic. And we've got about a fabulous deconglomeration of chemicals. How great! How great were these people? I want everyone to follow what these people are doing and stick with Crimp. Okay, we've got something very exciting. We're going down to Orlando for the ICR conference, and look who we're interviewing. Kohl's, they don't do TV. Children's Place, they don't do TV. Canada Goose, they don't do TV, but they do Mad Money, and I am really excited about it, and that's why we're so, so, so fired up about going to Orlando because all of those represent great consumer names that are doing well. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Craver. See you tomorrow.